before I get into the message this morning, I usually don't do many announcements, but there's something I need to explain to you on your outline that you can pick up every Sunday morning on the front side of it. There's what's called a QR code. Sometimes I can't remember what they're called, but you know what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> a few weeks ago, I saw a couple of our ladies, Jackie being one of them, if Jackie's in here, out here trying to figure out, there's you know, both of you, how to figure out how to do a QR code. All right. All you got to do is take your camera and your phone, line it up there and push it when it lights up. On that, then, you'll find a connection card. Why is that important? Well, it's important so I can know who you are, where you are, and you can get information as we continue to form different programs and classes here at Northside Medina. For instance, in a couple weeks, on April 24th, we'll have our first New to Northside gathering. It'll be right after the service in this little room right here, where I'll just talk for about five to ten minutes about what Northside is, who we are, what our mission is, what our purpose is, and you can ask some questions. Then following that, for the next three weeks, we'll have classes that you will be able to take part in to figure out what this place is all about and what our goals are. So QR code, connection card, you can do it right now as I'm talking, I won't be offended. All right, just don't text your grandma or your mom or, yeah. If you haven't been mingling before a banquet or perhaps hanging out at somebody's house that you've been over to, all of a sudden the hostess may appear with a big smile on her face and say those great words that we all love to hear, dinner is served. How many like to hear those words? Yeah, when you hear those words, dinner is served, it's exciting. Kids might be playing in the yard and they're coming in to the table Teenagers might be on PlayStation, immediately they shut that thing down and come to the table. As adults, we may be mingling around the room and all of a sudden everybody hushes up because dinner is served. But when we hear that statement, we usually focus on the word dinner and not so much on the word served. Well, that's what's happening and that's the expectation around the table as Jesus and his disciples gather in the upper room to partake in what's called the Passover meal. It was the most important meal and celebration of the Jewish community. But before dinner was served, Jesus began serving. Before dinner was served, Jesus began serving before dinner. Most of you are probably familiar with the story. It's commonly referred to as the Last Supper. It's the final meal before Jesus is arrested and crucified on that Friday. And if we were to boil this message down into one sentence, as we focus on service, it would be this. The Christian's life should be synonymous with service. Say it with me. The Christian's When the world looks at you and I as Christ followers, as believers, there should be something distinctive about the way we live. We should be so consumed about serving others and not thinking about ourselves 
that it sticks out. What I want to do today is I just want to go through a natural progression of this well-known meal of Jesus. And notice what Jesus shows us, what takes place. First, Jesus shows us what servants do. What servants do. If you have your Bible, your Bible app, you can go to John chapter 13. I'm going to cover a lot of scripture this morning, and you can follow along. Give you some background. Jewish resources attest that foot washing was a role reserved for Gentile slaves, wives, children, teenagers. No Jewish man of any social status, especially if they were a rabbi or a teacher, would be expected to wash anyone's feet. Keep that in the back of your mind as we go through this. And there's something special about a foot washing. As Greg gets his feet washed, we were talking earlier prior to the service. And when I told everybody that they were about to get their feet washed this morning, there was one of them that said, no, 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 not me. (laughs) You know, I, I kind of feel weird about my feet. Right? How many of you got a, a thing about your feet? A bunch of you, all right? And think about the master, the one you believe to be the Messiah. Washing your feet. And that's what takes place as Jesus shows us what servants do. John chapter 13, beginning with verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Here's the master being a servant. Well, why do you think he did such a humbling act? Why didn't he just look at the disciples and say, okay, go serve, guys? Well, he'd already done that earlier on. Remember the time when the two brothers, James and John, and their mom come to Jesus, and they have a special request. They said, hey, Jesus, can we be seated at your right and your left when you come into your kingdom? And a conversation happened amongst the two. They begin to bicker on who was the greatest. And Jesus, in that setting, steps back and gives them a lecture, the contrast between worldly leaders and godly leaders. And he says this in Mark chapter 10. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus gives this perfect speech, and I imagine all the disciples nodded their heads, but the question was, did they accept it in their hearts to be true? Well, they come together in the upper room, special meal together, and the servant doesn't show up. The teenage boy, the minimum wage worker, 
whoever it was that was supposed to show up and wash feet didn't show. They'd already done what was called a ceremonial cleansing, which were required by the law to show up for such a meal as this. But their feet became dirty from the place that they left to the place that they're now at. And so like baseball players waiting for an umpire to arrive, like airline passengers waiting for a flight crew, there's an awkward silence as they wait. Probably some small talk around the table, but they're all waiting for the servant to arrive. Somebody has got to do the dirty work before they can get on with what's really important with the meal. And so they sit there. And Jesus, the master teacher, talks with them. He observes what's taking place in the room, and he just kind of waits to see if anybody's going to step up and do the dirty work. And he waits. Remembering's already told them, whoever wants to be the greatest among you must be the servant of all. But nothing, nothing but silence and the sound of crickets. And out of the corner of their, their eye, they see someone has left the room. Someone comes in a side door and they've got a towel and they've got a basin of water. And the disciples think, finally, the servant has arrived. And perhaps the chatter slowly resumes, but then gradually goes away as they look out the corner of their eye and they realize who the servant is. It's their master. It's the rabbi. It's the one they believe to be the Messiah. Jesus is the one wiping their feet, washing their feet with the towel. And I wonder how quiet that room must have gotten. I imagine it got so quiet that all they could hear was the water being wrung out from Jesus' towel as he washes the disciples' feet. John 13, continuing in verse 6 and following, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm about to do, but later you understand. No, said Peter, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you will have no part of me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands, my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. Remember, they did a ceremonial cleansing before they arrived. Only their feet were now dirty. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. You see how Jesus interrupts Peter? Verse 8, he says, unless I wash you, you're going to have no part of me. Now to you and I, that doesn't mean much in our English language today. But back then, that word part you have no part of me. Jesus was actually saying to him, as it appears in other parts of Scripture, that you will have no portion, no place, no inheritance. 
Jesus is actually looking at Peter and says, Peter, you're not going to spend eternity with me. Unless I do this, you have no eternity to be hopeful for. And so, Corp, Peter said that, <laughs> and wash all of me. Give me a bath, right? Second, notice Jesus tells us why we should serve. John 13, picking up in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes. In other words, he put on his outer garment back on and returned to his, to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. He says, you see a need? Meet it. How many of you have seen the show, Undercover Boss? Older show, I still like it. I still pop on some of the episodes as it shows up on the, the guide on the TV. And what I love about it is it takes these multimillionaire, in some cases, CEOs, and they enter into the world of the people that they've hired. And when they enter into the service area of the company, many of them have never even been involved in it, have no idea what's going on. But they enter into it and they see people who are hurting, people who maybe have not had bonuses in years, people who uh, basically get abused in their company, but they become one of them. And after a while, they begin to realize that everyone there is on their team, that everyone there in their company has an important role to play, and they're just as important as they are sitting in the corner office. And they realize what they need to give of themselves to make their company the greatest it can be. I almost feel as if Jesus entered in to the realm of being a servant so that he could communicate a message to his disciples and to you and I. And I shared this statement with you a few weeks ago. And that's the statement that says, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Say it with me. The ground, there's no one that's any better than anyone else. Not across this entire world. Through the death, through the burial, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are all equally children of God. And not one of us in this room matters any more than anyone else. No matter what the title, no matter what the position, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And that means we all serve. I remember, it's been a long time ago, it was the second ministry that Brenda and I served in, in Miamisburg, Ohio. I was hired to be the uh, youth and sports pastor. Uh, I ran volleyball leagues, softball leagues, and then take care of all the teenagers. But they had a tradition when someone arrived on staff, the gym would be set up and they would welcome them and 
they made a big to-do that you were there, you're part of the church, and you would give a little speech, as I did, as to my vision and values and that kind of stuff. And I will never forget, I can close my eyes and remember it to this day. The banquet was over. All the meeting and greeting was over. There were tables and chairs set up all over the gym. And so Brennan and I did what Brennan and I do. I began tearing down tables, putting chairs away, putting them in the corner, starting to clean the place up. And I'll give the guy's first name. I won't give his last name. But Gary, who was on staff there as one of the pastors, comes up to me and he says, hey, 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 come here, come here, come here. What are you doing? I said, cleaning up the room, putting away the tables. No, nah, no, nah, you don't have to do that around here. The people do it. I thought, man, is this the place I wanted to come to? You know? But I soon changed his attitude and made him take down tables. <laughs> come on, let's go. Let's go. But all of us, no one's better than anyone else. We are called to serve. Peter shares in 1 Peter 4.10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in the various forms. One more area. Jesus expects it. He expects us to serve. Just like a parent expects a child to do their chores and, and reach out to others, Jesus does the same. He expects us to serve from our hearts. Ephesians 6, 7, and 8. The Apostle Paul says, serve how? Wholeheartedly, as if you were serving who? Wow, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each of you for whatever good they do, and whether they serve, whether they're slave or free. And earlier we can gain the understanding of serving from our hearts, the better off will we, we will become. Shared a story probably four or five years ago with you. It's one of my favorite stories. It's about a six-year-old boy who was sitting at his desk in a first-grade classroom, and all of a sudden, he realized there was a puddle of water underneath his chair, and the front of his pants were soaking wet. He had no idea how that could have happened. He'd never done that before. But he began thinking to himself, if the boys find out you know, they're going to laugh at me if the girls in the classroom all find out. They're never going to talk to me again. And he's in a state of panic, sitting in his chair with his pants wet and a puddle of water underneath his chair. And then he realizes the teacher's heading towards his desk. And recess is soon to happen. So everybody's going to find out here in one way or another. But as the teacher starts to get closer to his desk, a little, one of his classmates, a little girl named Julie, got up, went over and grabbed a hold of a goldfish bowl that was full of water. And she walked over towards him, past the teacher, and just act like she tripped and poured the whole bowl of water on his lap, soaking his pants to the core. Well, the little boy acted like he was really angry. You know, why in the world do you do this inside? Of course, he's thinking, God, thanks for answering my prayers, right? Thanks for answering my prayers. But all of a sudden, then the object of ridicule 
that was the boy became the object of sympathy. And he transferred the ridicule on to the little girl. Because all the classmates started cleaning up the water. And when Julie started to try to clean up, they said, get away. You're such a klutz. Look what you did. The teacher took him down, got him a pair of shorts to put on while his pants dried. At the end of the day, they're waiting on the school bus. The boy walks over to Julie and whispers, hey, you did that on purpose, didn't you? You did that on purpose. She whispers back, yeah, I had an accident once too. I had an accident once myself. Service sometimes can be humbling. It can be painful. It can mean we accept ridicule that maybe someone else should have gotten. Service may even be misunderstood by those closest to us. But if we have eyes to see, there are opportunities all around us to do good if we would just be sensitive to those things and reach out. I don't know what that looks like for you. I think it looks maybe different for every one of us in this room, how we choose to serve. But I think we need to go think outside of the box and sometimes go out on a limb and do things in service that maybe we'd never thought of doing before. It might mean you, uh, as a couple, you adopt a family. And you just watch over them. Maybe send them a financial gift every now and then. And they might not ever know that it's you that's doing it. It might mean that you prepare a meal, drop it off to somebody's house, and you just leave it at the doorstep. They never knew it was you. It's not about knowing it's you. Some people who claim to be Christians are in jobs that have incredible calculated risk every single week. They employ dozens of people. They make decisions that affect hundreds of people's lives day in and day out. But those same believers are scared to death to ever, ever step out on faith and serve when it comes to the church. I don't understand that. I've seen people who are extremely gifted, believers who are extremely gifted in the workplace and the world, but all they've ever done is come Sunday after Sunday and sat in a chair and gone home. I can't fathom that. I encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and do something maybe that you've never done before. Each year, we have what's called a compassion week, and sometimes it turns out to be a compassion month. There are cards out in the lobby for this where you can go online. It's coming in the month of May. Um, we here at Northside Medina, we are as a church on May 14th at 10 a.m. going to meet in front of the main doors of Medina High School, and I'm going to have my truck there with some trash bags and some buckets and we are just going to clean the whole Medina High School property. We've done this before. It means back in the woods, so you want to bring gloves. But that's what we're going to do as a church. You can go online and sign up for that. But there are other areas where you can serve uh, during this time. I encourage you to get involved and make that happen. 
And it means stepping out of your comfort zone in many times to serve, to be a humble servant. What's that look like? Well, here at Northside Medina, it looks like the person who spends two hours a week volunteering, serving, cleaning this place after everybody leaves so we can worship again the next Sunday. Here, it's the one who goes and gets the Dunkin' Donuts, prepares the coffee, and makes sure it's set out every single week before anybody comes. Here, it's the one who fills the give and take boxes around the community. Those green boxes, no one ever sees them do it. They just fill it with food and supplies for the next person who needs something to show up. And we're about to put one of those outside of this building as well. It's the husband who hears the child cry in the middle of the night. And instead of pretending to be asleep, he gets up and takes care of the baby and allows the wife to sleep and doesn't say anything about it the next morning. It's the employee who trusts their leaders, doesn't second guess or complain about their decisions. It's the wife who rubs her husband's feet as he watches the Masters golf tournament. Just see if you're tracking with me. Just see if you're there. <laughs> Forget it. Scott, I thought that was a good idea. Yeah, I hear you. To wrap up, I'm going to have you do a little exercise, and if your health means you can't do this, don't do this, because we don't want anybody dropping over in here. Uh, so as we go through this, make sure if you have limitations, do it. Don't do it. But I'm going to ask you in a few moments to inhale. This is my favorite illustration when it comes to service in the church. I'm going to ask you to inhale, but I don't want you to exhale. Then we're going to inhale again, and you're going to be tempted to exhale. You're not allowed to exhale. You inhale again, all right? We're going to do this a little bit, and we'll see how it goes. No, don't get nervous. It's not tough, all right? Relax, Devontae. Take it easy, all right? But here we go. You ready? Wow. Sorry to wake you up, all right? Are you ready? Here we go. Inhale. Go ahead. Big inhale. Don't exhale. Hold it. Okay, inhale again. Don't exhale. Inhale one more time, real big, real big, real big, real big, real big. Real big. All right, let it out. Whoa. I mean, why would I do that? Well, that's exactly what was happening to the religious leaders in Jesus' day. They would take in, they would take in, they would take in, they would take in. And their faith would suffocate because they never let it out. And the same thing happens to you and I as believers in the church. When all we do is come to worship and take in and take in and take in, go to a small group and take in and take in and take in, listen to a podcast and take in and take in and take in, listen to the Christian music and take in and take in and take in. and we never let it out in service, our faith will suffocate. So we breathe out, we breathe in, 
We pick up a towel and a basin of water and we serve. And that all begins, first off, by allowing Jesus to be the master and Lord and Savior of our lives. Where we say, it's yours. It's not mine. My life is your life. My life is in your hands. Take and do with it what you want. I lay it down at your feet. And maybe you've never done that. That's the starting point. To actually give your life totally, totally to the control of Jesus as Lord and Master of your life. I'd like to talk to you more about that if you've never done that. I'd like to sit down and talk with you. You can pull me aside afterwards. But let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence in our life. God, your love in our life. God, that this week as we celebrate God, the fact that you went to a cross and died in our place. God, that you became the servant of all, proving once and for all that the ground is level at the foot of the cross because you, our master, our Lord, our creator, were willing to die in our place. So God, as we go from this place today, may we take on your heart, may we take on your hands, and may we serve. God, in each of our ways, in each of our places that we spend this week, may we pick up a basin of water and a towel. And God, may we just wash people's feet. Wash people's feet and whoever we come in contact with. And God, through it all, we'll give you honor, you glory, and you praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. And